0: Um, Good evening everybody. Um, My name is Nick Mulgrew and I'm the publisher and I I change this often. I'm the founder and the publisher, sometimes I say I'm the director, whatever, of Uklanga, um, a poetry press um, based here in Cape Town. Um, It is my absolute honor to be able to introduce uh, Douglas Reed Skinner, who is the author of our eighth single author collection and our tenth book in total. Um, his new collection is called Liminal. It's Douglas's seventh collection in total. Um, his uh, his publishing history goes back to 1980, 1981. nineteen eighty one. I've known Douglas for about three years now, and it's been he's been a a good a good friend to me over the past three years. And it's uh, yeah, been my honour to publish this this latest collection. Um, Douglas was born in Uppington in 19, Um, and uh, he was the director of the Carrefour Press uh, in the late 80s to early 90s, as well as the editor of New Contrast in the early 90s. Um, Now he's the co-editor of Stanzas, um, and has for the past three decades been a great force in South African poetry. Tonight, Douglas is going to read from his new collection, Liminal, and a few poems from not his last collection, but the collection before that, uh, Blue Rivers. Thank you again to uh, Elise and to Augusta from David Critt Projects. Um, It's our fifth event here, and every time it's it's really fantastic. So thank you very much.
1: I'm gonna shift focus now to one of the big, one of the more interesting sides of, of Modernism and modern writing was the way that poets used and use the work of other poets and other writers. Not only do writers cannibalize themselves and those around them, but they consume the work of others and other writers, other painters, photographers, and cannibalize that word. The poem is called The Pain is Sweet, and it's built out of a couple of paragraphs by a Spanish writer, Cortésar, so it's taken a piece of prose and constructed a poem out of it. Having translated the Spanish into English, I then looked at this and I thought, crikey, there's a poem there, and built a poem out of it and revised and revised and revised so that so it's about the act of theft that writing is. Because intriguingly, all the words we use, everyone uses. Nobody owns the language. Nobody owns the words that we use, and nobody owns... And in that sense, poems are built out of the most common bricks we have in everyone's mouths all the time. So in a way, we're sort of thieving one another's language. And this is a, a kind of about the act of theft in writing, or uses the act of theft in writing, which goes on all the time. The pain is sweet after Cortazar. I touch your mouth with my fingers and trace the outline as if I am drawing your lips with my hand, as if your mouth is parting for the very first time. All I need do is close my eyes to undo it all, to start over and create a new mouth, the one that I desire, that my hand wants and sketches on your face, this mouth I have elected from all possible mouths, chosen to trace across your face, the one that, by some strange quirk of fate, precisely coincides with the mouth I see smiling up from up at me from below. You look intently at me, closing the distance between us, our eyes growing larger and larger as they suddenly overlap and then disappear into each other, our breathing confused, our mouths engaged in a tender sparring, our tongues delicately reaching into the corners where a silent, freighted air comes and goes with its familiar perfumes. Then I run my fingers through your hair, slowly caress your hair as we meld, our mouths filled to overflowing with the lingering fragrance of flowers, the quick, intense movements of fish. And if we bite, the pain is sweet. And if we drown in a brief, overwhelming gasping together for the sanction of air, the moment of death will be beautiful. Then, at last, there is only one water, one heady flavour of ripened fruits, and I feel you trembling gently against me like the moon in a rippling stream. which leads on to a similar but different poem and a poem which it looks at what is around you and the erotic sense of things that are around you and it's a it's a theme that I've puzzled about more than once in my poems and it's ever since a child I wondered what it was like to be someone else, what's it like to... Be not to be the person you see sitting in the audience, not to be, but to be inside that person looking out. The poem is called Smoke Signals. The two animals going at it in the street below at double decibels, and a car that's idling as it waits to take a neighbor to the airport, leave him with little alternative except to abandon all efforts at finding his way back into the dream landscape across which he'd been wandering about in the company of the woman who kept on reappearing in different guises from behind rocks and trees. The one who never spoke, who instead waved her delicate hands like smoke signals, explaining something that he couldn't quite understand that try as hard as he did, he was never quite able to comprehend, despite spending whole daytimes puzzling over the irreducible isolations of being alive and notwithstanding the mutual murmuring across pillows or the cauterizing touch of a finger trailed across valleys and hills while looking into looking back eyes. He wondered whether, for once, a bright clue might arise and surprise, enable him to be inside the other, be inside their wear, gain at last the sense that words exchanged in the moment might lodge, not disappear, be stable and consequent, and when recalled after 40 years or more, could readily revive that when, the when inside, when in the other, in their body and breathing, in their being alive, for one impeccable moment, their being inside. And then something a little more a little more directly personal um, about, about memory and place and childhood, and and it relates back to when I was growing up for a while in Grahamstown and my father and his cronies from across the road would disappear every weekend fishing and as soon as I was old enough I'd tag along and sleep on the back seat of the car. And, and this poem is called Winding Tunnels. The road to Port Alfred unwraps and winds up over hills that rise to the south of town. Long stretches are marred by bumps and cracks, a patchwork of repairs now always in need of the kind of attention it will never receive. Once on the ridge, sweeping views reveal receding valleys and slopes, each one grayer than the one in front, each bend bringing memories to relish from a childhood recalled, or at least one you imagine must have been. Then the slow slope down to the cooler coast, and a sudden descent to the languid Cowie. Still there, as you enter the town, the same shop that sold fish and chips on Sunday evenings as we leave, curled up on the back seat sharing a warm portion sprinkled with salt and vinegar before licking our fingers and falling asleep to the bass rhythm of a neighbor's V8, carrying us back through winding tunnels of light to the more uncertain shades of home. And then, sort of continuing down that path, um, the, the kinds of fleeting memories that one might have of a, of a parent. A <clears throat> little poem called Bottles of Scent. Because the forgotten outweighs the remembered as an ocean a pond, the fleeting, the shadowed, the velities that limb and almost correspond to what was once him or haunting day-long, ineffable yet possible, you suddenly wake in the half-light of dawn to a rise-and-fall song that engenders recall of hands that you held, bottles of scent, a dress with blue flowers, the chair near the door, a cup of weak coffee, the voice that could call through window and wall the voice that could solve the wounds and the gall. And then a poem for a friend. Gus Ferguson, who I'm sure some of you know. And this this actually was written almost as one, which is a very surprising thing. It's not often that a poem just comes as a whole. In Franschhoek, during one of the literary festivals there, the poem is called Surrounded by Mountains for Gus Ferguson, Franschhoek, 2014. A plume of smoke is rising into cra- cloud. The cloud descends below the forest line. Trees are ghosts of shadows and lost light. The light fades fast until you cannot see beyond the angle roofs across the town. The windows of a house flare into flame as one last flash of sunlight from the past leads you to the thought of what's beyond. Long, deep valleys carved by untold time. You had a destination once, but now, that's lost beneath the weight of leaves. Instead, you wait alone and watch for clues to what gives all the light and cloud and trees the smoke and flying range of sawtooth peaks, meanings that will hold against the storm, the coming of which you've seen the early signs. A plume of smoke is rising into cloud, A slight wind whirls it round and round. And then to finish, a very short poem, the end of the book. And the poem is called The Bottom Line. We are all immortal until we aren't. You can read the writing and then you can't. Thank you.